Well, if you'd open your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 20, and we're continuing continuing our Bible study in <clears throat> Luke, the 20th chapter. And uh, last week, the last couple of weeks, we spent on rendering unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's and and <clears throat> the things unto God which be God's. And the point being there in that is those group of people that came together according to the determinate counsel and purpose of God to try and entrap the Lord into saying something incriminating or something that would either alienate him with the people or with the Romans. <clears throat> and uh, their their question had no legitimate purpose. It, it was just a, a deceitful tactic. And then <clears throat> that brings us to verse 27 here of Luke chapter twenty when the Sadducees come to him. And, and if, you, if you've been familiar with the Jewish religion, there were all these different sects. There were Sadducees, there were Pharisees, there were Essenes, uh, and all these different uh, ones had... Uh, the Essenes were kind of like uh, seclusionists almost. <laughs> and... Uh, the Sadducees were uh, a group that <clears throat> didn't believe in the resurrection, and and the Pharisees believed both. The scriptures tell us, but they didn't really. <clears throat> so, uh, <clears throat> in verse twenty-seven, then came to him, <clears throat> to Jesus, certain of the Sadducees, which deny that there's any resurrection. I thought that was a really interesting point there that they don't even believe in a resurrection, and then they come with this this question, and they asked him, saying, Master. Moses wrote unto us. Okay, we have it from Moses. If any man's brother die having a wife, and he die without children, that his brother's wife should his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Well, that's what it says in the in the law of Moses, and it made sense back then, and, and there was a purpose to it. <clears throat> so now they just exaggerate it beyond belief to try and do uh, another deceitful uh, questioning here. So, in our imaginary scene, he says, therefore there were seven brethren. And the first took a wife and died without children, and the second took her to wife, and he died childless. And the third took her, and in like manner the seven also. And they left no children and died. And last of all, the woman died also, Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of them is she? For seven had her to wife. What point was that? It's just like a lot of religious questions that we have nowadays. And Jesus answering said unto them, The children of this world marry and are given in marriage. In this world. Not in the world to come. They which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. So there's two different time frames and two different zones, two different uh, uh, entities here that are are described. uh, Neither can they die anymore for they're equal unto the angels and they're the children of God being children of the resurrection. Now that the dead are raised, even Moses showed at the bush when he called the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. 
For he is not a God of the dead, but of the living, for all live unto him. Then certain of the scribes answering said, Master, thou hast well said. And after that, they durst not ask him any question at all. So all these different bickering entities, you know, the scribes say, hey, that was a good answer. (laughs) Dumb old Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. so. (laughs) So that's the block of scripture that we're looking at today. And I thought it would be good for us to to look at this question of the resurrection because through time that's it's been a, a something that's been of interest to the the church and everybody has questions about it and and there, and there's quite a lot of speculation and error about it and so we're just going to look at what the bible has to say about that and uh, the title of our lesson today is uh, what we shall be, what we will be. And it's ironic that the ones who even deny there is a resurrection ask a question about what will occur in the resurrection. <laughs> That's kind of a oxymoronical or something, I guess you might say. Uh, <clears throat> so they ask him this question of the law of of marriage uh, applying in the resurrection, which, and he said, "No, it doesn't." And as old as religion is, this this question about the resurrection, who, what, how, and when, is is asked. And you know, not only were the Sadducees unbelievers, but they had the unbelievers' non-understanding of spiritual things. Right. You know, we, we turn over to Matthew's account. And this this uh, this same questioning and answer is is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Not it doesn't occur in John, but it's in the other other ones. And in Matthew's account, Jesus he directly points out the root cause of, of this problem and all problems. He said, "You do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. <laughs> you don't know." You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know the scriptures. You don't see Jesus in them. You don't see the resurrection in them. You don't see anything in them because you can't. And, you know, the the answer that he gave them here from the book of Moses, which they purported to believe, and they they mentioned that at the beginning of this question. Moses said that if a man dies and doesn't have any children, what happens to his wife? So they, he gives them an answer from the book of Moses, which they purported to, to believe to the exclusion of the rest of the Old Testament. They didn't believe. They only, they only believed in the first five books of the Bible. They didn't subscribe to the prophets or the Psalms, only the, only the Pentateuch. <clears throat> so, uh, so he quotes them, Moses and God speaking <laughs> at the bush, <laughs> and and <clears throat> and I'm sure they still didn't quite understand it. Uh, in in Exodus chapter three verse six, moreover, he said, "I am." What a powerful statement God makes! I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And so, uh, 
You do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. They didn't believe that they didn't believe the scriptures and they didn't believe that he could resurrect anything or anyone. <clears throat> so here lies the main effect of sin and the fall in every age. You you err in two main areas because of the fallen nature of man which cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. So, uh, you know, a minute ago, uh, we're celebrating your birthday, and somebody piped up in a foreign language and said happy birthday to you, but the rest of us said, we didn't didn't get that. (laughs) That was a lucky guess. So... uh, but uh, anyway, that's kind of the way the Bible is to these unbelievers and Sadducees. They, they read the words on the page, but they really don't understand it. They have no understanding, <clears throat> no ability. That's what the first thing that comes to mind here is he receiveth not. The, the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. That word cannot that means the, the, the most absolute sense of negativity. <laughs> there can't be a higher degree of not. It's the absolute degree of not. You, you cannot, can speaks to ability, and not speaks to not, none. <laughs> you cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. <clears throat> Neither can he know them, He's no, there's no ability. It's, it's all lost in the fall. They're, the things of God are foolishness unto them. <clears throat> they cannot accept it or get a hold of it. It's foolishness. It's silly or absurd, <clears throat> which comes from a wrong position of assuming that a, a man is actually wiser than God and able to judge things correctly. From, and they think they do that from their standpoint. The Sadducees says, well, we think we're right. And there's a whole group of us together that think we're right. <clears throat> and all the other groups, the Pharisees says, well, we believe, we believe in spirits and angels and the resurrection. And you guys are a little bit wacky because <laughs> you don't. <clears throat> so, and it turns out most of the time they were both wrong. <laughs> so, he can't receive them, neither can he know them. And that, again, speaks to the absolute negative ability. Absolutely no power to know, absolutely no power to allow, perceive, be aware, understand, or be sure of spiritual things. This, it's just not there. <clears throat> no understanding or even real belief in God. He says, you do not, you do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Two things that they were, they were incorrect on, and it's the main point of error in religion of all ages. Those two things. You don't have any real belief in God, no real trust that he's sovereign, no trust that he's almighty in power and ability, no trust that he will and can do what he has said. And, you know, we... We have this segment of society today that says, well, we're, we're more sovereign than God because we can overrule him or we can, we can accept or reject. It's all up to us. And he 
he died in rather a random way, universally for everyone, and it's up to each person to either accept or reject that. But the scriptures say an entirely different thing, but you can't see that in a natural condition. Jesus said, all power is given to me. You don't know the power of God. Well, he says, well, all power is given to me, especially in the resurrection. He says, I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. John chapter 10, verse 18. So the Sadducees, they erred in several areas. They missed Christ in all the scriptures. Moses wrote of me, Jesus said. And here they quote Moses, and Moses said, well, if you believe Moses, you you believe me. They clearly misunderstood the marriage typology and representation as presented in the scriptures. A type and a shadow of the eternal marriage between the lamb and his bride. It's what that's a picture of and what it was supposed to be. And that's why we find that adultery was so heinous in the Old Testament. That they went after, they went after other gods, and a picture of that breaking that bond of marriage between the lamb and, and his bride. And today is really no different. Many, many speak about things that they really don't understand. They insert their ideas about how things will be in the resurrection and when, or even as these Sadducees who had no belief at all that that after death you just sort of fade away into nothingness. And and another sect says, well, if you're good, you come back as a better person or a higher being. If you're bad, you come back as a carrot or a lizard or <laughs> some lower form, you know. It's, it's all a little bit crazy. So... Today we just want to look at what the scriptures say. And and much of what we can know and understand about the resurrection is based on what we know about God. Because he's the source of all things. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. We find that in the scripture. And we find that he was the creator of light. And that Jesus is that light that represents that. And in Psalm chapter 104 verse 1 it says bless the lord <clears throat> o my soul o lord my god thou art very great thou art clothed with honor and majesty who covers thyself with light as a garment who stretches out the heavens like a curtain isn't that an interesting thing about uh, god he covers himself with light as a garment and he is light. God is the creator. When God creates, it's, it's good. And we learn that in, in Genesis. We see everything God created. And then it's written when, when God saw that it, it was good in Genesis 4, uh, 1, 4, and 10, and 12, and 18, and 21, 25 of, of chapter 1. Every time he created something, he said, and it was good. And finally, we get down to verse uh, 31. takes it a little further that God looked at all he had created through his word, through his son. And he said this, Genesis 1.31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. 
It was very good. So when God has a, a creation, and when we're born again, we're a new, we're a new creation, we're in it, and that is very good. And so when we observe our, our present condition and speculate about what is to come, we, we can base our trust in God and that he doeth all things well. So let's let's kind of reverse engineer this a little bit and look at what we don't know. <laughs> Here's I'm going to list everything we don't know. <laughs> it's a lot. Well, <clears throat> what's not revealed to us at the present? First John chapter three verse two. Let's look at there. First John chapter three verse two. <clears throat> Our beloved John writes. Beloved, he writes. He writes from a position of people that he, that his brothers in the Lord that he loves. He says, "Now, now are we the sons of God?" He says, "At this very time, we are we are the sons of God." And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For we shall see him as he is. And we're going to look at some scriptures about what that appearance may may be. <clears throat> and we like to sing that hymn, Praise the Savior, you who know him. Uh, and it, it goes on to say that uh, things that are not now nor could be soon shall be our own. Or what we would, what we would be, we shall be what we should be. And uh, it makes that distinction between how we are now and what we what we expect based on God. <clears throat> our physical circumstances, our appearance and being in this world are all impacted and affected by sin. And <clears throat> how we will be in the world to come will be quite different with sin taken out of the equation, although elements of identity seem to remain the same. And, you know, it's just impossible for us to comprehend an existence without sin. Our, my pastor said this this last week. He's, I can't fathom that. I can't fathom waking up every day and not having to contemplate sin <laughs> or not be affected by it. I just, It's too high for That's what, what David said. I think about these things in the night watch and they're, he said just uh, my mind is just too small. He says it's just too high for me. I cannot attain to it. Uh, so anyway we we seem to have some elements of identity that remain the same and, and there's some interesting things about that in uh, in the three uh, three of the gospel records in Matthew 17 Mark 9 and Luke 9 there's an account of the Mount of Transfiguration and there's a couple of things that we want to call attention to. We're not going to go into that too deep because we're scooting by our time here. But uh, <clears throat> two things that we would like to note for our study today. And, and so we're going to read from Matthew 17, verse 1 through 3. <clears throat> Matthew 17, 1. And after six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up to a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them. I think that in the Greek that's metamorphos is where we get the word metamorphos. 
he was he was changed uh, he was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was as white as the light boy doesn't that bring back those scriptures that we read earlier in God, God is light and he has no darkness at all and he, he clothes himself with light as a garment and <clears throat> behold there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. And they said, hey, this is cool. Let's build uh, three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elias. <clears throat> so those guys have been dead a long time. <laughs> but they seemed to know who they were. Isn't that interesting? They seemed to have that recognition of, oh, that's Moses. Uh, and it doesn't say a lot about that, but I think I find that very interesting that that there's a uh, they were in in all of the gospels say pretty much the same uh, phraseology they they recognized Moses and Elias along with Christ and and <clears throat> and but it doesn't go into it doesn't elaborate about what they talked about what Moses and Jesus and Elias talked about. But I think it's interesting to, that there was some recognition there. You know, our relationships will be based in Christ and as a spiritual family, and not by earthly marriage, but by eternal blood. In, in our text today in Luke chapter 20, verse 34, Jesus answering and said unto them, The children of this world, this this kind of this foreign world that we're in. <clears throat> they marry and, and are given in marriage. You know, in the Eastern culture, <clears throat> it says they're given in marriage. In the Eastern culture, the marriages were arranged most of the time. They were, uh, the father would arrange for his son to get a bride somewhere. Uh, they just did that. And uh, <clears throat> that was how they most of the time worked that. And Earthly marriage was and is a type of the Lamb's marriage of the church, his chosen bride. Think about that. And, you know, does the groom choose his bride or does he just say, well, I'm going to get married tomorrow. Anybody won't come? Come on down. <laughs> it's it's usually an arranged situation and, and he selects or elects whom he wishes uh, to be his bride, and you know, we find an example of that in Isaac and Rebecca in the Old Testament. We go back to, we don't have time to do that today. We're getting down on our time, but if you go back to Genesis chapter twenty-four, verse four, his dad says, "Hey, a head servant, come in here. I want you to go back to my old stomping grounds and pick out a wife for my son." <laughs> I don't want him marrying one of these heathen people over here. So you go back there and you find him a wife and here's what you are to look for. And, he, and, and, and you've all gone through that scripture and know that probably pretty well about uh, the... He was to look for certain signs and when he saw them, he says, Oh, you're the one. So uh, anyway, and we're moving on in Luke chapter 20, verse 35. They which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world... And the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. So in that future state, in that, in that realm, uh, 
they're, 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 this uh, marriage is gone. It's it's no longer needed as a type because we are the bride of Christ. It, it, then uh, Revelation 21 verse 9 says, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the last seven plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And there's just lots of interesting scripture in, in Revelation, if you have time to go through that and read chapter 2, I think, and, and this chapter 21 that talks about the bride and, and how she's adorned and, and the care for her and all those things and her raiment, all clad in white raiment. He calls us brethren. We're not, we're not related by this external marriage in this realm, but it, he, he views us as brethren. In Revelation chapter 2, uh, uh, it goes on to the next subject of, <clears throat> of uh, what name shall we be known by? We're not given in marriage. By what name shall we be known? In Revelation 2.17, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcometh, and, and we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, tells us in uh, Revelation 12.11, <clears throat> Him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. Manna that's hidden to the world at large, to the unbelievers, to the lost, to these Sadducees and many others. I'll give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written which no man knoweth saveth he that receiveth. You know, it's interesting the multitude of blessings is contained in that one verse there. Him that overcometh, we, we mentioned that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and that's what it tells us in the Scripture. We're fed with manna that's hidden to the world at large. We're given a white stone. You know, in the Greek legal system, that's an interesting thing there. When you got, when you were on trial at a, in a Greek court, and the jurors made their decision, if they gave you a white stone, you were pronounced innocent. If they gave you a black stone, <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> so, so this white stone is uh, pictorial of our being pronounced innocent. <clears throat> and <clears throat> so <clears throat> the name on the white stone in Revelation is based on the reason why they received the white stone. In, in, in Jeremiah thirty three sixteen, it says, In those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name where with she shall be called the Lord our righteousness. So we get a white stone because we have that righteousness of Christ imputed to us uh, based on his sacrificial work in our behalf. Uh, and the name that's written on You know, he says in Luke chapter 10, verse 20, remember when we were back in Luke chapter 10 and he sent those guys out, those disciples out and and. They were to go all over the place preaching the gospel. And he says, don't take any sandals or money or anything. Just go out. And and they came back and they said, oh man, even the devils were subject to us. We were, we were mighty powerful. We were mighty good. And he says, 
Well, notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's what you should be thankful for. That's what you should rejoice in, that you have a name that's written in heaven. So what information does the scripture give us regarding our future existence? Well, we read there, John says, well, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. So, mystery. (laughs) But we have a few hints. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's turn there to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15. It's quite a lengthy block of scripture dealing with this particular issue here. Just got through saying, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Then we come down to verse 35 because this is the question that we brought up at the beginning of the class. Who, what, when, why, or how? Everybody's curious about the resurrection. And he says, But some man will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Verse 35. And then he says, Thou fool. <laughs> this is a crazy question. Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, he's giving them an agricultural allegory here, like you're going to plant a seed. In the, and we all like to plant stuff, and we plant a seed. What seed kind of goes to pot in the ground, but out of it springs a green shoot of life. That which thou sowest is not quick, and except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not the body that shall be. When we plant that seed, we don't want just a seed to come up. (laughs) We want a green shoot to come up, and at the top of it, a shock of many seeds. And so that... Thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain. It may chance a wheat or some other grain. But God giveth a body as it has pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there's one kind of flesh of man, another flesh of beast, another fishes, another birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. They, they both have their place. There's one that's different than the other. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It's sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body, and so it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and after that which is spiritual. 
The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. So as the earth, so as is the earthy, such are they that also that are earthy. And as the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit corruption, incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. That's that metamorphosis word again. That's that transfiguration word. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written in the Old Testament, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? From Isaiah 25.8. That quote too. So we see that flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit corruption, but we shall be changed. The form we're now in, in this world, and you know, they always kind of couch those phrases as, as we have this being, and right now we're enveloped in this world. And we'll see some scriptures about that here in just a moment, but... The form that we're now in is a being that's constrained by time and human nature. After the new birth, we begin to understand and to look at things from a spiritual perspective that's really is born out of the new birth and out of eternity. Paul called our this present body, he said, who will deliver me from this body of death? <laughs> that's what he thought about it. <clears throat> Hebrews gives us an indication that the eternal purpose of God, <coughs> in his purposes, we were in a, a different state. And we have some scriptures in support of that, that in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, and I think we mentioned this in our previous lesson here, that for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise himself took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil that's death is overcome as we read from Isaiah 25:8 and that was quoted there in Corinthians Isaiah 8:18 says behold this this word from the Lord says behold I and the children whom the Lord have given me are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts which dwell in Mount Zion. And and we read from John 17 in our previous lesson too. I've manifested thy name to the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were. Thou gavest them me. And, they, and they've kept thy word. I've given them thy word. And the world hates them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Uh, Isaiah 8.18 again. Behold I and the children whom thou hast given me. 
Second uh, <coughs> Corinthians four seven says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We're we're contained in these earthen vessels that are fragile. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. <coughs> we we're created that way on purpose because otherwise we we'd say, oh, I did this myself. I'm powerful enough. I'm good enough. I can, I can do this myself. And, you know, Job, going back to the Old Testament, Job understood clearly that he was in a condition according to God's purpose in this world, which was a temporary condition. In, in chapter 10 of Job, in verse 11, he says, Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh, and fenced me with bones and sinews. You, you've encapsulated me in this fleshly world and this fleshly skin and bones, sinews. Thou hast granted me life and favor and thy visitation, that visitation that he comes in the new birth, hath preserved my spirit. What a wonderful verse we have from Job there. And then he goes on to say in chapter 14, he said, If a man die, shall he live again? The same question that we have over and over in the Bible and in the world. He says, all the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. <laughs> what a powerful word. <clears throat> well, we're not finished yet, but we're out of time. So we'll continue on in this uh, in our next segment. So interesting scriptures. We have a few left to go. So. Till next time, be eternally free.